About a week ago, every American executive and engineer working in China's semiconductor manufacturing industry resigned from their jobs. It was a dramatic turn of events prompted by major new trade restrictions introduced by the Biden administration. China technology analyst Jordan Schneider, host of the China Talk podcast and newsletter, says the measures have paralysed China's semiconductor manufacturing overnight. But how will Beijing respond and what implications do these moves have for the future of the global semiconductor manufacturing industry? Jordan Schneider joins us now from New York. Welcome to Sunday Extra Jordan. Hi, uh, great to great to be here. Just want to correct that intro a little bit. Um, this is not, in fact, what happened. Um, there are restrictions around uh, U.S. nationals and green card holders on what types of semiconductor work um, they can do in China. So it wasn't necessarily a mass resignation, um, but rather a you know deep rethink that uh, the Chinese uh, semiconductor ecosystem is going to have to do because the U.S. government is no longer permitting uh, American persons and U.S. technology from helping the Chinese, uh, uh, from helping Chinese firms make the most advanced chips. Yes, but there have been Americans in China who've felt that these regulations have forced them to resign, and a number of companies have taken those measures. But could you, could you, we take a step back, Jordan, um, and could you give us some background to this move uh, by the Biden administration and your sense of how significant these new export restrictions are? Sure. So um, the Biden administration uh, over the past two years has gone through a big internal debate about, uh, you know, the China's technological rise and, and um, what to do about it. And uh, sort of coming out of all of that, what you're seeing, uh, what you saw starting to get rolled out in September uh, with an important Jake Sullivan speech followed by the, um, the national security strategy, which was released a few weeks ago, is a decision to change the way that the U.S. government looks at um, technologies that they termed as force multiplying or the most strategic technologies, which, you know, if your country can get ahead in them, they have real important implications um, from a military and economic perspective. So, um uh, so the semiconductors were um, one that was identified um, and identified as a way in which uh, for the U.S. to keep its edge, uh, you could potentially use export controls. And uh, uh, about a week and a half ago now, you saw the U.S. government use that leverage to try to make sure that um, firms outside of China um, stayed an, as many generations as possible ahead of uh, their Chinese competitors. Uh, there's a few interesting aspects you, you've, you've picked up there. Um, firstly, perhaps you could tell us just a little bit more about why is it that semiconductors are at the heart of these new measures? What sort of um, implications uh, would they have in, as a force multiplier, as you describe it, um, both in economic terms and in military terms? Sure. So semiconductors make the world go round. Um, I would not be able to do this interview with you guys right now from halfway around the world if I didn't have a chip made in Taiwan by TSMC in my iPhone. Um, and that goes for almost anything in the world economy. Without um, advanced semiconductors, you know, we would be back to living the life of someone in the you know 1970s or 1980s. Mm. Um, and uh, from a sort of particular force multiplying perspective, a lot of the most important military innovations that have happened uh, since the uh, uh, you know mid 1980s uh, say have been driven by high performance um, high performance chips. So you know precision missiles, um, 
uh, more advanced sort of ballistics and, and, and nuclear modeling all rely um, on chips. And in particular, uh, the U.S. government made the argument in these regulations on uh, the most uh, high-end, high-performance chips, which can be sort of used in parallel to run supercomputers and very complicated modeling exercise exercises where um, they fear that if the Chinese government is allowed unfettered access to this sort of stuff, um, it could potentially tip the balance of power um, across the uh, across the Taiwan Straits. Yes, indeed. So you mentioned Taiwan there. Obviously, uh, Taiwan, a huge uh, manufacturer of semiconductors. Um, uh, how significant do you think these US trade measures are in terms of uh, the international diplomacy uh, around uh, Taiwan and its relationship with China right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really tough one to say, um, you know, whether or not this sort of action raises or lowers the chances of, of conflict in the coming, uh, you know, in the coming decade. On the one hand, um, you know, a, a PLA, which gets uh, more advanced uh, military capabilities and maybe gets more confident that they could prevail in a, in a conflict scenario might raise the um, uh, might 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 raise the chance of conflict. Well, on the other hand, um, you know, some argue that uh, removing the dependence that uh, China has on uh, foreign uh, technology may make them, you know, think, screw it, what do we have to lose? Um, we're already being cut off from the global community. Uh, why don't we just do the thing that we may, uh, you know, why, you know, why don't we just, uh, why don't we just go for it? So it's, so it's, um, uh, it's, it's really hard to say exactly how it's going to play out um, in the coming years from a uh, sort of geopolitical perspective. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Jordan Schneider, host of the China Talk podcast and newsletter and China technology analyst. Uh, Jordan, you, you mentioned there what a big consumer of semiconductors China is, and these are US trade exports, trade restrictions. Um, what impact will these measures have on the global semiconductor industry? Sure. So the, the impact is likely to be muted. Um, uh, for a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these firms, uh, so, so the restrictions were written in such a way that what um, it, what China, <coughs> me, right, what no China worries. is allowed, to, uh, what China is allowed to procure, um, you know, is no longer allowed to procure are only the sort of highest end, most advanced stuff. Um, particularly for tooling, um, those uh, products are already on back order for years from um, from firms outside of China um, that are looking to build out uh, new capacity. So you just saw ASML, for instance, make a statement saying, you know what, actually, this isn't going to be a huge deal for us. However, other firms... Um, uh, are talking about losing uh, potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue going, uh, you know, in, in the coming years of uh, things that they thought they were, were going to be able to sell to Chinese firms um, that uh, U.S. Uh, regulations will now will no longer allow them to do. But I don't think this is the sort of thing that is going to, you know, kick off a new chip shortage. Um, that was certainly not the intention of these regulations. And uh, you know, if they end up having sort of uh, spillover effects uh, where Chinese firms uh, aren't able to uh, aren't able to make the um, the older um, the older semiconductors then uh, it's probably reasonable to expect regulatory changes on the US part to clarify these regulations and um, you know and not bring us back to the dog days of late 2020 when um, uh, you couldn't make cars because 
um, you know, trips from 1997, uh, trips that were state of the art in 1997, you couldn't you couldn't buy anywhere. Mm. Uh, all eyes, of course, have been on the uh, big meeting of the Chinese Communist Party and President uh, Xi's ascendancy in the party uh, over the last few days. Uh, has there been a sort of formal reaction from uh, the Chinese government or President Xi uh, as part of the uh, the Congress indicating how China's likely to respond to these restrictions? There hasn't been an explicit response as of yet, but it has been interesting reading um, the language uh, of Xi over, you know, throughout his, uh, you know, time as premier and even in the past week, just how much he stresses the importance of self-reliance, domestic innovation, um, and uh, sort of like, you know, grabbing the mm. technological heights. So when, if, when, um, you know, when you're trying to project out forward how the Chinese government is going to respond to this major roadblock, which is being put in front of, you know, arguably the most strategic technology for the next decades. I think it's safe to assume that um, uh, they're not necessarily going to give up. Um, you know, the, the, the Chinese system has already poured hundreds of billions of dollars in the past decade in state, um, in state subsidies and support uh, to, to, to boost up the semiconductor ecosystem. And as frustrating as this must be for um, policymakers in um, uh, the minist- uh, in MIIT, uh, they're, um, uh, they, they still have a strong man. They, they still have a strong mandate, I believe, from the state council to continue, uh, to pursue. Yeah. So, uh, so you uh, mentioned yeah. there the, the, the amount of money that the Chinese government's been putting into building up its domestic manufacturing, uh, capacity. Uh, how far have they got with that? And, and in terms of the new restrictions, how long, uh, could it take for China to be able to get to a point where it is self-reliant in terms of semiconductor manufacturing? Sure. So I think the Chinese system has made decent progress um, on uh, on lagging nodes uh, and fabricating stuff. You know, that was state-of-the-art in 2005, 2010, um, and uh, as well as in packaging in particular, they've been making serious inroads and gaining global market share. Um, but it's one thing to be able to sort of put all the pieces together from uh, foreign suppliers and, um, you know, with with sort of state money uh, and subsidies, as well as the knowledge that, um, you know, as well as the technological path to do this stuff, which has been honed and refined for 10 or 15 years. Um, that's one level of difficulty. But um, uh, it, it's it's kind of a whole different ballgame if you're trying to compete right at the technological frontier with Samsung and TSMC and Intel to make the, um, you know, the most complicated uh, chips that uh, humanity currently uh, creates. So I think uh, trying to, um, you know, trying to get to the frontier is a decade plus long process, which is going to cost, you know, more hundreds of billions of dollars. um, And the prospects of success most certainly aren't guaranteed. You know, this is this, these sorts of capabilities is the type of thing that money can't really buy. You need talent. You need decades of um, uh, sort of R&D expertise. And you also need sort of these um, uh, these sort of networks of knowledge where firms are working with customers to constantly improve, um, to constantly improve the processes. And Chinese firms, by and large, are going to be cut off from that on the, on the technological frontier. Mm. And just finally, Jordan Schneider, uh, how uh, difficult will it be for the US government to enforce uh, these new regulations that they've introduced? 
Sure. So there are pieces of it that will be easier and harder. So on the, you know, most, the, the highest degree of difficulty for enforcement side, I think are these limits around importing high, the super high end chips. Um, this is hard because, you know, these are physical goods um, that are sold in the hundreds of thousands. And, um, you know, in order to create a supercomputer, you only need you know, 10 or 15,000. So, uh, you know, setting up shell companies and, you know, sneaking them in, uh, uh, via ports is not an impossible, uh, task by any means is going to, and is going to be a real lift for the, uh, U.S. Commerce Department. However, I think, um, when it comes to the, the sort of semiconductor manufacturing equipment as well as software that, um, uh, uh would enable domestic manufacturing capacity, uh, domestic Chinese manufacturing capacity to do uh, um, you know, to work at the frontier. That I think that the U.S. government is going to have a pretty, uh, is going to have a relatively straightforward path because, you know, these firms don't want to be sued by the uh, Department of Justice and no, have their indeed. executives go to jail. <laughs> Jordan Schneider, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Great to be here. Uh, that's uh, Jordan Schneider, China technology analyst with the Rhodium Group in New York and host of the China Talk podcast and newsletter. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.